I don't think that that's a fulfilling life. I don't think seeking comfort is necessarily the goal. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How's it going? My name is Pete, coming to you from the Green Mountain State of Vermont. With me is my friend and co-host, Todd Ellis, from Tacoma, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest. What's up, Todd? That's the Evergreen State, Washington. What's up, Peter? Oh, it's the Evergreen State. That's cool. Yeah, nice. a couple of green states. Well, it's always green if it's always raining, right? Yeah, and they Although got the sounds evergreen like we could get more rain than you. Yeah, it might start on fire if they're not careful over here. It's <laughs> hot. Oh, man, I'm trying to gather myself. I just came downstairs after a major, major meltdown from yeah. my, my eight-year-old daughter. I eight-year-olds will do that. Oh, see so much of the way she responds to stuff exactly how I did when I was eight. And it took oh. me about till age 27 to start to figure it out. Oh. So here we are. Yeah. Well, congrats. It's good. I'm excited for tonight's show. I've been pondering some stuff and I'm going to back up and say that uh, yesterday we got home from a week away. We got a really tiny little lake house in Woodford, Vermont, which is in the Southwest corner near town called Bennington, and I have not spent much time in Bennington, Vermont, and listeners out there, it's an awesome place. Like, I really, really enjoyed Bennington. There's stuff to do. There's nature stuff. There's stores. There's all sorts of stuff to do, and we stayed on this tiny little lake called Big Pond, and I cannot remember the last time in my life where I had five days with literally zero plans every day. I have very few pictures from the week because we just do the same thing every day. Like, we just got up and hung out at the house and hung out on the lake and hung out in the yard in between the two. Uh, I found an amazing book called Down on the Docks, and it's about the history of New Bedford, Massachusetts. And New Bedford has a a reputation for being a really rough town. And I'm, as a Massachusetts boy, I'm just fascinated by like the fishing industry and all that it did and all that it was in the state of Massachusetts for literally centuries since like the late 1700s. And it was just a crazy, crazy book, this combination of the drug trade and the fishing industry and um, just all these different things. And so I just really, really got into this book and and just kind of relaxed and didn't do any working out, didn't do any schoolwork of any kind, no podcast editing, just put it all away for five days. And it, w- it was awesome. And I shared many past episodes that I struggle with being present and I was really present with myself, with my family, um, and it gave me some clarity on some stuff, some of which I want to chat about this evening in some areas where I still seek more clarity. Before we get into that, just want to check in with you and see how things are going in the life of Todd. <laughs> the, the trilogy, the trilogy of Todd. Things are going good. It uh, looks like I was, just, I was just nerding out on Bennington, which is um, the, the first city in Vermont, <laughs> the first town in Vermont. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, thanks for me. I got my boat done, so I, I was out fishing today, this morning, so I feel good about that. Everything worked out great. No leaks, so props to oh. uh, Jared for welding my hull. That's fantastic. Um, got some exciting things going on in my family. Today's uh, Quentin's, my oldest son's 25th birthday, so that makes me feel old. Other than that, you know, just cool. living the dream, just living you, the dream. What do you have for a boat, and what type of water do you put it in? 
Um, <laughs> well, I have, uh, it's called a Harbourcraft. It's 18 foot aluminum boat. And I put it in primarily in freshwater. So I do a lot of lake fishing for kokanee and trout. Lakes. Yep. Just lakes. lakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes I go cool. in the sound, catch salmon, things like that. But it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. Earlier today, Todd sent me a picture of his view from his boat and it was just lake water. And then off in the distance, is that Mount Baker? No, that's uh, Mount Rainier. Co- yep. Oh, Mount Rainier. That was yep. covered in snow. Yeah. Really yep. cool. Um, I'm going to drive back yesterday. I started thinking about kind of all the things that I'd escaped from for a week. And um, I think living a life of privilege, I just kind of have an embarrassment of riches. And I have so many really, really cool things going on in my life and navigating them and managing them and kind of keeping all the balls in the air, so to speak, um, is a challenge. And it's really interesting, I think, what an oxymoron when you have so many cool things that you want to do that it stresses you out trying to figure out a way to do them all, mm-hmm. right? Like how blessed of a life is that? Uh, but it does get to me trying to figure out how I can manage family life and home ownership and fitness and a career and classes that I'm taking in this podcast and my relationships with, you know, the important people in my life and I have some other projects in the works and, um, I know that you are very similar, and that's why I asked you to join me on this podcast journey. So two episodes ago, we did that 10 by 2, and one of the questions was a book that's influenced you in some way. And I failed to mention a really cool book that I keep in my house, and it's kind of I read through a couple pages a day every now and again, and um, when I get to the end of it, I just kind of start over again. It's called Tribe of Mentors by Timothy Ferris. Essentially, what he does in, in writing this book is he... F- searches out and seeks out people that are kind of like leaders in their field of all fields, science, art, entertainment, athletics, intellect. I mean, so many different people are interviewed in this book, hundreds. And he asks the same 11 questions to all these different people. And there's a lot of wisdom in here packed into this book that I that I really enjoy reading. And a couple of things have hit me recently as I'm thinking about kind of coming back to my reality after a week away on the lake my daughter caught her first fish on that. Yeah, on that congrats. Way, by the way, um, how, how am I going to navigate all these things that that are important to me that I love, and in a way that feels fulfilling? Because I struggle with being present because I'm always thinking about what I could and should be doing in addition to what I'm currently doing, which mm-hmm. I think trips me up quite a bit. So I found this quote by Steve Jobs, the co-founder and former CEO of Apple, and he says this: "People think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on." But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas and things that you want to do that are available. You have to pick carefully. I'm actually as proud of the things we haven't done at Apple as the things that we have done well. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things. And that was a nice reminder to me that I need to say no to lots of stuff. And I do say no to lots of stuff, but it's easy to say no to stuff that I'm not super interested in. And I still try to find a way to pack in all the things that I do want to do. And I think that that doesn't always yield a positive result for me. So there's a uh, another spot in this book where <laughs> um, this guy, Dustin Makovitz, is the co-founder of Asana. He also co-founded Facebook. <laughs> so um, we got a little... This guy, there. yeah. <laughs> right. But he was asked, "What do you get? What are you better at saying no to?" And he was just saying, "The first time you say no is by far the easiest and the cleanest. It's tempting how you're going to respond because you'll hear someone out before deciding whether you're going to agree or not. 
And if you kind of kick the can down the road, you are not really avoiding anything. You're going to have to respond to their request sometime down the road. Yeah. And he says, basically, by not saying no the first time, you've ensured at least one more request that you'll have to accept or decline in the future. And thus, you haven't really saved yourself any discomfort. Worse still, you've crossed the psychological boundary by establishing yourself to the asker as someone who is interested in the type of request being made. So if you don't say no, you look like you're interested in the request, so they're going to assume that you are interested. Research shows that we're remarkably committed to maintaining a consistent sense of external identity, that's me, even if we only establish it to begin with out of politeness. The asker will see this as an opportunity to press harder and to ask you about similar requests that may come up in the future. And you'll have even more discomfort declining multiple requests over and over again versus if you just simply had declined the first one. That's an interesting one for me. So it's this combination of saying no to things that I actually really might want to do and stuff that I might genuinely be interested in doing and prioritizing those things. Again, it's like an embarrassment of riches. I have these these cool things to be doing with my time and my energy and how do I prioritize them? Does that la- does that last perspective resonate with you? Does that happen to you? Super, yeah. It happens yeah. to me all the time. And yeah. I wonder if I'm just the only one that does that. And so I'm so excited that you said that you read that in a book that somebody else besides you or me or somebody in my orbit actually has that same experience. It's crazy. Because just yesterday, this lady, I was changing her tire, this lady across the street, and she was like, oh, I have to get my brakes done. And I'm thinking to myself, here it comes. And then she's like, do you work on brakes? <laughs> you know, and I got this huge shop, you know, and I'm like, yeah, sometimes I work on brakes. And in my mind, I'm like, just tell her no. Just tell her you're not doing it. And then I was like, I'm going to try to be a nice guy. And I'm going to say, well, if I'm home, you know, and you get the brakes, let me know. And, but it would have been so much easier to say no. And I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the surefire way to eventually hurt people's feelings is to say yes to everything. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. I just, I... Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Lee, famous martial artist mm-hmm. and actor, mm-hmm. was quoted as saying, one does not accumulate, but eliminate. It is not daily increase, but daily decrease. The height of cultivation always runs through simplicity. I think having the courage to say no early on really simplifies and makes things easier for us. But my yearning to please and to be polite kind of puts me in those awkward stages sometimes. Now, when it comes to professional stuff at school, I'm really good at saying no. And quite frankly, I'm not interested in a lot of those things that I'm offered to committees and stuff like that anyway. I also recognize that those things those positions and those roles need to be filled for the ship to sail, but I'm just picking and choosing how I how I help the ship sail. So all this to lead up to this next thing that I'm going to share. All This is all from the same book. This guy, Terry Laughlin, he founded this uh, program called Total Immersion. It's basically a really innovative method to teaching people how to swim very efficiently. And yeah, he kind of broke down the scale and he went on to coach and he was a very, very successful coach. And then he created basically this initiative that was uh, total immersion, the revolutionary way to swim better, faster, and easier. He was talking about mastery. And this is kind of where I want to take the conversation this evening and, and pick your brain about it. And he talks about his five steps to mastery, right? So I have all these things in my life that I want to be doing and, and I would love to to master them. Like I love for this podcast to really, really enhance the lives of our listeners. And from a very egotistical standpoint, I'd love to be incredibly fit. And I also want to enhance people's lives through my career as a teacher, both through colleagues and through the families and the students whom I work. I want, I definitely want to master the 
unmasterable marriage and parenthood. Yeah, you, gotta, right? you keep wanting on that one. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> right. I want to learn all these new skills as a homeowner. To like tomorrow, my friend's coming over to help me rip the peak off my house and reinsulate because the people who put the roof in didn't insulate the peak well. So like all these different things that I that I want to like master, but maybe I just need to eliminate more in order to to master them. And, and Ben Bergeron is famous famous for saying something. Don't quote this verbatim, but it's something along the lines of you can be excellent. And excellence is defined as one of the elite best in the world. If you're willing to make that one thing, you're everything. So you have to live a life of imbalance and you have to go all in on that one thing. You can be very, very high performing at two things and you can do three things really, really, really well. But once you start to take on more than three major pieces, it's really difficult to be elite or world-class at at any of those. At once. Yeah. So it's like, here I am sitting here talking to you like, all right, which of these things? I think like my, my, like my big categories, like I listed a couple minutes ago is family, fitness, the podcast, home ownership and career. Like those are kind of like my, my big ones. And then at some point, like you got to have fun too. (laughs) So this guy, Terry Laughlin says to, to gain mastery, these are the five steps. Choose a worthy and meaningful challenge. Seek a master teacher to help you establish the right path and to prioritize. Number three is practice diligently, always striving to hone key skills and to progress incrementally toward new levels of competence. Number four, love the plateau, embrace it. All worthwhile progress occurs through the brief, thrilling leaps forward, followed by long stretches during which you feel you're going nowhere. Though it seems as if you're making no progress, we are turning new behaviors into habits. Learning continues at the cellular level, if you follow good practice principles, you'll break through the plateau. And then number five, mastery is a journey, not a destination. True masters never believe that they have attained a mastery. There's always more to be learned and greater skill to be developed. I, I think I'm realistic with myself and saying that I'm not going to be able to master all five of these kind of areas of my life, but I want to have enough competence in them and feel like I'm moving forward in all of them all the time. Something that I struggle with. Can I ask you a question? That's why I'm here, baby. What's the difference between competence and mastery in your mind in in relation to those five things that you hope to master? Or do you hope to master them? Or do you just want to be competent? I I, I would have a hard time articulating super clearly like a, a continuum that has categories, so to speak. But I taught snowboarding for 12 years and... That's where kind of my mind goes and you ask that question is, what is it, the conscious competence and the unconscious competence? Are you familiar with that? No, I don't think so. So you can be like consciously competent and then unconsciously competent. So like you're focused on something and you can do it, but then you get so good at it that you can do it without focusing. Oh, you know, okay. Like yeah. I, could, I could snowboard down a, a, a double diamond and my mind could be thinking about my plans for that evening because mm-hmm. my, I'm not saying me personally, yeah. I'm just giving an example because um, my snowboard skills are that. Because you're solid. familiar enough with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm competent if I'm focused on it and I can achieve it, but I'm maybe I, I'm master, masterful. If, yeah. I don't know. At, hmm. It's interesting yeah. because they, like- when you started this conversation, you you said, <laughs> I'm, "I'm trying to master what what can never be mastered, what's parenting and 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 you know marriage, I suppose." But 
what is it that what is it that you hope to is there a is there a marker of achievement that like oh like i'm so good at that like i'm, I'm a great parrot or like you know what i mean like why does it matter to you we've touched on um, this before yeah yeah so so i so i think my answer to that is no i don't think i know my answer to that is i'm just reluctant to share it in a public platform uh-huh. it's i don't want to be stressed out by the thing like if i feel like i'm moving forward with it and it doesn't stress me out in any way that's what I want. Huh. So I don't even know if that's mastery as it, as if I want just more of a simple life. And that's what kind of led me to these uh, saying no to a bunch of these things, you know? But so I what's don't left think, is those five things that you find are the most important to you. And those are the areas you wish you, those are the areas you hope to make stress-free. Is that, is that more along the lines of? Yeah. And, and also when I say family, I'm, I'm referring to like all of my my immediate and extended family, and then all my friendships, sure, like sure, my relationships. Yeah, yeah, okay. my relationships. Yeah, so like, I, and I, and I'm, you know, let's be real. Like, parenting is a stressful thing. I just it's always going to be stressful. A major, major meltdown. <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's that's a sign that you care. But like, I don't know. Like, I have a friend who built his own house from his hand with his hands. Mm-hmm. Right, we're gonna have him on the podcast at some point. And if something goes wrong with his house, like he doesn't worry about it because he knows how to fix it. Whereas mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, like with my water pump or my well or my heating system, I have no clue. I'm completely at the mercy of somebody else. And that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh. And with my fitness, when I have a nagging injury or something's wrong, that stresses me out. I see. And it's like, it's interesting that you say that because I, I truly don't believe that we as humans should be idolizing comfort. I don't think that's the goal in life. Like, I, th- I think we live in a culture that really you know, prioritizes, oh, work hard, save for retirement, then you can just hang out cruise. and chill out for the last, <laughs> yeah, you can cruise. Or we have air conditioning and heat, so our house is always at 72 and everything's so convenient and getting more convenient by the day with technology and these things. And the goal is to make our lives more efficient and easier. But I, I don't think that that's a fulfilling life. I don't think seeking comfort is necessarily the goal. So, But if you break that down a little, isn't that isn't that kind of akin to what you're saying? Like take for take take the heating and the air conditioning, right? Like I've mastered those two things. Like I don't have to start a fire every day. I can turn on the switch on my wall and I've invested enough into my knowledge to know that that thing has been mastered. So now I can perhaps shift my focus to something that I find more interesting. So it, it's on autopilot, right? Like I've taken care of that problem. I don't have to go chop the wood and fall trees. <laughs> I don't do this anymore. Now I can focus on the things. So in that way, isn't, isn't, I guess the way I get the way I'm looking at it, I guess what I'm trying to uncover is I feel like mastery is is always elusive, but that's by design. It's like, unless you have to master it, like, I don't know, like my mind goes to like astrophysics, right? Like I have to get to this planet. I better know these numbers or I'm not going to get there, you know, because one degree offshore is going to make a hell of a difference on where the port is. So like that thing you have to master, like I have to know that, but there's very few things in my life that I have to know to that degree where with such an exacting amount of certainty, and that's where I find the the best um, opportunities to learn is that I don't know it. Like I don't know how to insulate the peak of my house, but I know somebody that does, and I'm going to go up there and rip it apart, and then I'll know it. But then I'm past that. Like I, I probably will never have to do that again. So I've, I don't know if I've said I've mastered that, but now I know that I'm, I can do that. Right. But always learning those new things. That's what's that's what is an interesting life to me. Not saying that I'm very good at those other things, but I'm not stressed about them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome, and I, and I really don't want to live with a fixed mindset, and I really want to do live with a gross mindset and and be challenged and be and, and embracing challenge. Um, but but I think I'd be more comfortable living life of imbalance and going all in on one thing. And, and say I that struggle. again. Say that again. I didn't hear that. 
You'd I'd be more, be more comfortable living a life of imbalance and spending all my time and energy on, on one thing. You would you would you'd be more comfortable living a life of imbalance as opposed to spending all your energy in one direction. No, the other way. You'd rather spend sometimes all your energy in that, one yeah. direction. Sometimes oh. I think that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that <laughs> this is the difference between you and I. When we talk <laughs> about mastery. You go to astrophysics, and I go to snowboarding. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, physics involved. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm just kind of like, sounds like I'm spinning in circles tonight because I think that I am, but it's like, I know that mastery is never going to be mastered and, and I'm cool with that. Um, but I think in, in trying to like pare down where I want to spend my, my, my attention and my energy, like learning to say no to things. Yeah. And then part of what I want to share tonight, and I think that maybe the listeners could take away from is number one, choose a worthy and meaningful challenge. And I think at least I'm going to speak on behalf of my students, I think a lot of them are stuck doing things that, at least in my mind, from a very uh, maybe judgmental standpoint, that but but they they've shared with me too in many conversations that the way they're spending their time is not worthy, and is, is is not meaningful, just mindlessly scrolling on social media or mm. trying to impress other people with a popularity machine or working super hard at a side job and then just blowing all the money on silly things. Like I've had real honest conversations with students in that way, so I think. Um, that's step number one. And, and those five things that I listed to you, I believe in my life are worthy and meaningful. And I definitely have sought out people that um, can teach me. And you're, you're absolutely one of those people in my life. You know, people that, that can help me establish the right path and, and, and the priorities. And, and texting with you regularly and having these converse, this weekly conversation with you uh, is that for me. And then practice diligently. Um, you know, that, that kind of waxes and wanes depending on the, t- the time of the year, the season of life, and the urgent versus <laughs> unurgent of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Talk to me about number four. What about this plateau? Yeah, I love the plateau. Yeah, yeah. So I'm much more patient with the plateau in some aspects of my life and struggle with it in others. Like uh, right now, our daughter tends to have these breakdowns, and I'm not quite sure exactly what to do. And I'll be very excited when this stage is over. <laughs> uh, will you? Cause the next stage comes at that point. <laughs> so right, exactly. you be careful what you when wish comes, for. <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. And, and I think I've done a pretty good job at, at striving to be present uh, with her and really enjoying and knowing that I got one kid. So like once this yeah. stage is gone, I don't, I don't get a, I don't get to see it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Struggling with the plateau in some areas and being patient with, with it in others. And then, you know, just knowing that mastery is the journey and not the destination. But I don't know. I think you hear that all the time. And yeah. what does that actually mean is tricky for me, for sure. Yeah. That's one of those, I think, that you don't, like like you said, it's it's easy to, like when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. But then when you have to, when you have to try to like embody that, I think it becomes way more different because you're tied up in the, you know, getting to the destination as opposed to, oh, I'm just supposed to be enjoying the journey. <laughs> you know, it's like. Right. Okay. Sure. But the journey is not going to get me anything. So what's the point? Right. I'm interested about the, the plateau though, because what you're saying about your students and what they've shared and, and how you, you perceive that in your judgment is I've, I've seen a lot of people, let's put it that way. Um, most often in their fitness and their like nutritional, you know, attempts, they hit this plateau and then that becomes a dwindling, uh, I don't know if it's doing it, like it becomes a, a, an, un, an insurmountable barrier to people like, oh, I was losing weight. I was doing great. I was making gains. And then suddenly 
now I'm not doing anything. And this could go on forever. And that's how, that's oh. how they see it in their mind. And then they yeah. just, then they go right back to where they were. And progress uh, is the single biggest motivator, right? Yeah, when sure. You're seeing progress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but love the plateau. Like, is there any more depth to that person's comment or is that, that just a point along the way? It just says, love the plateau. All worthwhile progress occurs through brief, thrilling leaps forward, followed by long stretches during which you feel you're going nowhere. Though it seems as if you're making no progress, we are turning new behaviors into habits. Learning continues at the cellular level hmm. if you follow good practice and principles. Interesting. So, you you know, it's, I mean, there's a million analogies, right? Like I, I hit the rock 99 times with a hammer and the rock doesn't crack. Yeah. And the hundredth swing, the rock cracks. It wasn't just that hundredth swing. Yeah. You know, but it's, but it's continuing to swing the hammer and continuing to swing the hammer. And that is absolutely challenging. And Adam, I'm crazy patient and understanding with that when it comes to the physical, but I don't have as much patience with myself when it comes to the mental and mindset yeah, yeah, and some of the stuff that, that trips me up and yeah, stresses yeah, me out. I always think like, there's gotta be another way. I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> like, so I, that's what I always think. Like this isn't working. Yeah. You know, and yeah. well, if I keep doing this, what's the point? Like that's the definition of insanity. I keep doing the same thing. Right. And I'm, right. I'm clear that I get in the first, first time. So yeah, I, I bump yeah. against that too all the time. I did, yeah. I did want to ask you, are you able to put your kind of main things or those priorities into buckets in your life the way that I did? Um, I struggle with patience. Like patience is a hard one for me. It's just historically, I don't know why, but I, I work on it. But um, yeah, I, number one, it's the, I make it meaningful. I don't do things unless I find meaning in them or if I find them, that's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting, um, if you ask my wife, she would say that a lot of things I do are more geared towards helping other people. So more meaningful to others, I think. But like, if I see somebody struggling with something that I know I've been through before or that I've bumped up against myself, then I tend to want to help them like, yeah. see like, you know, you shouldn't go that way. Like there's a, I don't know about shouldn't, but that way for me was not good. And, or, you know, or that way it was great. Maybe you could look at that. So I do that. Um, that what's the second one Te to teach it? Well, I was asking about, um, you know, like I said, my family, my teaching, oh. my fitness, mm -hmm. home ownership, those types of things. I was curious to know if you have like buckets, that, like in that regard, that you that are like uh, your big main things. I or mean, fitness, you, fitness is always yeah, terms? yeah, fitness is always up there for me, just because I know that I'm gonna have to use my body for the rest of my life, and I try to keep myself mentally sharp as much as I can. Um, so those two things are important. Um, <laughs> having having a, a a good relationship with my wife is is um, is another thing that I hold very important, even though I fail miserably at that a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, like as far as like career goes, I, that was a point. But I don't know. I think that those things change, and I think that part of how I feel like I've been able to move forward is in the fact that I'm readily available and willing to look at if I can just switch out the ones that don't work. Like this is no longer interesting to me. I'm gonna look for something different that is now more interesting. So I think in the, maybe the question you were asking, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I don't have these big audacious ones that I'm always trying to master. It's whatever ones are most interesting to me or I, I can see the most benefit in being, I wouldn't say a master at, but, but being proficient, if that makes sense. Would you be willing or able to give like an example of one that you were in, maybe even all in on for a while, and now that that ship has sailed, and like you're not really giving that thing any attention anymore. I'm just curious to know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of because um, my attention shifts so fast. It's like, um, well, there's some things that I was doing at work 
that I actually I've, I've just realized this over the last couple of weeks um, in my job search. So as, as the listeners may or may not know, I worked at Microsoft for over 20 years and then I got laid off. And so I've been like in this weird set of drift and this weird journey of what's next. <laughs> Should there be anything that's next? I don't know what's going to be next. And so when I exited there, I did a lot of work in psychological safety, creating cultures of or- organizational design, things like that. And then building on top of that with like disabled communities and intersections of all these different kinds of marginalized you know, communities and stuff like that. And when I started looking again at what I would like to do next for work, I thought to myself, oh, those would be those are the things that I find myself most passionate about. But now I'm finding that especially in the last two or three weeks, as I continue to um, invest in, you know, chasing, I, I guess they're like green pasture jobs, you know, I'm like, oh, I could go do this, you know, because that, that seems very interesting to me. And I think at first I was kind of like, oh, I should be able to do that because I've been doing that forever. And now it's like with with the mounting, with the, with the rising amount of um, just people, I don't even know what it is. It's like I'm being, I'm being overrun and flattened by... Um, Oh, we, we got your application, but you're not the right person for the job. And it's just like so and I don't even care. I didn't really want the job. It was just that I wanted to talk about what it is they were doing, or I was interested in finding out what the job was about to see if it would even be a fit. But now I'm like, you know what, that work might not even be what I want to do anymore because because people aren't don't seem like they're investing in that anymore. So I don't know if that fits your question, but it's like that's that's something that I was very passionate about and I was very interested in in moving the dial on that thing for a long time, 10 years or more, and now I'm just like, eh, I can throw that I can throw that away. Like it doesn't seem like it's important to a lot of people and therefore why am I still placing my emphasis on it? But on the other hand, I know that in the back of my head you know, in order to to move mountains, you have to keep you have to keep pushing where you see where you feel like it's important. And you know, things like the American Disability Act, like you know, if they would have just said, "I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Nobody cares." Well, we wouldn't have that, right? So it's like it's it's mitigating that that difference in my head about what's important to me, what's important that I feel like I should continue doing. But at the same time, I'm gonna have to start looking for something that is gonna fill my bucket and then you know fill my bank account sooner or later. You know, so it's like. Which one of which one of the juggling balls are you going to let fall? Which one's most important to you? And so I don't know if that's a good example, but that's one that I that I thought of immediately when you said that. But hmm. yeah, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> well, we have a whole podcast for that, so feel free. Just, just you don't have to go deep into this, but just logistically, I'm still a little fuzzy when you talk about like working for Microsoft and doing work that focuses on helping marginalized communities. Is that mm-hmm are those people that work for Microsoft that like you're getting together to help one another or is it, is it products that Microsoft is putting out to help people in the world that are in those marginalized communities? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. It's um, it should be both, right? Microsoft's, you know, mission statement is, you know, to empower every person on the planet to achieve more something along those lines. I might have a couple words off. So, so the work that I was doing there started in-house. Like we intended to build a culture internally that was based on the growth mindset that was way different, vastly different than what we had there to begin with, where it was just throw, throw your buddies under the bus. Whoever gets the most work done is going to get the biggest cash payout. That, that shifted to we're all going to work together. We're going we're gonna to leverage what we can find from the people around us at bolster other people's work. And we're going to use that atomic habit styles. We're just going to, we're going to build these blocks and we're going to achieve greatness at a, at a different scale using a different paradigm. So we did that and we built this and we built this culture around that. And then 
I was, I was, I started involving myself with like the disability work, the employee resource groups, things like that. So it was internal where, where it was born, but we also espouse, I shouldn't say we, Microsoft also espouses to, you know, change the world through accessibility. So they build accessibility into their products. They build, you know, they invest vast amounts of money into, you know, dis- disabled, you know, community things and, you know, all these different levers that, you know, that they with their money that they can affect, but they don't meet in the middle. They didn't do what I thought they should be doing internally, and it didn't match up with with what I was seeing externally. So I knew that they were it's lopsided. So it's all out of balance. And then at the end, it was like, well, I'm trying to keep it in balance as best I can, saying, no, no, we should be doing better over here, calling this out, calling that out, and then doing what we're doing internally. But it seems that nobody really wants to do that. You know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Okay. But. So, so what I'm hearing you say... What I'm understanding is that you're saying this work to create equality or justice in the in the workplace is something that you've been putting your heart and soul into, and you're thinking maybe as you move into you take your next career step, it might not even be in that field. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it, I, I wish it would be, but I think that I've been fooling myself for a very long time thinking that a, a corporate entity actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot that goes on there, but you know. Yeah, I, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But that's. And that's that's one example. I don't know if that answers your question or gives gives any insight into my thinking on that. But I'm sure if you give me a day, I could come up with a better example. But yeah, so I guess my question for you is: when it comes to mastery versus competence, are you able to delineate those two things in your mind? And double double question here: are there areas in your life where you feel you want to achieve mastery, or is it just I'm not even going to worry about that? I'm just learning and going, and whatever happens, happens. The latter. I, I don't. I don't need to be a master. I don't think I could ever achieve mastery at any thing long enough, be, just based on my interest and <laughs> the short attention span thereof. The changing but, winds. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, but I do enjoy being competent at things. So, like, I, you know, I have a million different things that I do, a million different hobbies. And I, I feel like, you know, if somebody needs something done, brakes or, you know, oh, would you, you know, change my transmission? No problem. Like I'm pretty confident that, right? But I don't know if the, I don't, my, my hang up is I don't know if the things that I have built competency around are going to be of utility long, for a longer duration, right? So, I mean, somebody's always going to need their car fixed. That's one thing. But like, does it really matter that I know how to install a sprinkler system? Because how many times are you going to do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, that, and that's where I start looking at it is like, is this going to serve me ever again? Or is this just one time I just need to do this thing? And and now it's like, I've spent, a, an, I've spent more time than I should have on this thing. And I got hooked into this, you know, doing this over and over and over again, when I clearly could have been spending my time somewhere else. And that's where I think it aligns with kind of what you're, what you're hoping to, or what the theme is of the show. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if this is in line with the theme of the show, but I was at the Ford dealership. I, truck was getting a little bit of work the other day and in walks one of my colleagues, um, an awesome dude. And we just started chatting and we were talking about, he was asking me how my summer's going. I said, it's going great. I said, I'm training some athletes this summer. I'm just having an absolute blast training these kids. And then not only am I loving it, but I take the money they make from that and pay someone to come do the work around my yard that I really don't <laughs> like doing. And I, and I really, really am enjoying the summer. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and maybe that's, you know, it's important for me to to be a, a master fitness coach or to, to be closer to mastery to fitness coach than it is to be closer to mastery to being running a weed whacker in <laughs> yeah, my yard. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just talking about time and I was saying, you know, for every hour that I train, I can pay someone to do two hours of yard work. 
And he was just saying in New England, it's really interesting. This is just his paradigm that he said, just because we know how to do it all, does that mean we should do it all? I see you you this way a little bit, Todd. He's like, you take these old New Englanders and they know how to do everything. He's like, they know how to fix the lawnmower. They know how to, you know, vinyl the house. They know how to do all these things. And he's like, but just because I know how to do all these things, is it the best use of my time to be doing them? Or should I focus my time and attention on one or two things, create mastery in those? And he was talking about building wealth. And he's like, then I can build wealth, you know, hire out some of the other stuff and and be closer to my my end game with my wealth in the long run. And that got yeah. me thinking just cause we can do it. Does that mean we could or should do it? And it's different for every person. There is no right or wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. But I know for me, I would love to, to be a really well-respected fitness coach for high school athletes in the area. That would be really cool for me. And then to take whatever that garners and not, not do, not spend my time and attention doing some other things. Yeah. And, and that's just one example where I'm thinking like, the mastery thing. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when you say that to me, it's like, um, like I like to, I like to work on my yard. I don't have, you know, as much property as you, I don't think, but actually I'm pretty sure. Um, I think there's a, an aspect of, um, perfectionism there for me. Like I, I like to do my yard because I like the yard done the way I like it. Like I, I know I'm going to weed whack it because I'm going to do it the way I think is right. And if anybody else weeds whack it, well, Thank you for helping, but it's not going to be, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it again. So it's like, and I'm, that's totally, it's, that has served me so wrong in so many times, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Like I, I enjoy doing it because I enjoy doing it the way I liked, I like it done. And I think that that predicates a lot of, of behaviors and actions that go along with the things that I find interesting or that I, that I choose to be, you know, efficient at. And and it's, you know, like the, the floors, the sweeping the floor, the robot does the floors, right? But he covers <laughs> the floors better than I do. So I don't know, but it's, it, but I think there's a lot of different facets of our personalities that are wrapped up into those things, which we think are important that we should go to master. Right. But I think there's definitely some weight in, <laughs> should you be doing it? Like, does that actually make sense? I have a guy that I know, <laughs> he drove down to Portland um, for track and he came stopped by the day before he left and he's like, oh, I got this crazy sound, you know, in my car, it's making this humming sound. And I was like, well, there's, there's only so many things, right? They turn on a belt, you know, it's either, you know, this, this or this. And he's like, well, I'm just going to drive it down there. And then he drove down there and it broke. <laughs> it was The alternator busted. And I was like, okay, but like, but he, but he was like, I don't even care. I'll go down there and spend a thousand dollars to get it fixed because it's not worth my time. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, so that makes sense, right? Like it's just depends where you're at or, or what your interests are. So, yeah. All your friends and family coming to you for car advice makes me think of a bumper sticker I saw in the back of a truck one time. It was on the back of a pickup truck. It said, yes, this is my truck. No, I won't help you move. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Same thing, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we always try to you know, wrap up with a little tactical takeaway. And I think the the stuff that I read about having the courage to say no to the thing that definitely say no to the thing that you're not interested in doing and trying to do it in a way that makes you feel okay about saying no, but still being polite, I think is, is a definitely a tricky line to walk. And then when you are getting better at saying no to really channel and think about, you know, take a little inventory on what you're spending your time and attention on and thinking about, is this thing that I'm doing a worthy and meaningful use of my time and attention? Hmm. And then, then build from there. I've done that process and I've kind of narrowed it down to the five that I share with you, but that doesn't mean that I have anything figured out. It's just how can we continue to move forward in the areas that we feel are worth moving forward in and just, 
chatting with you and like, you know, you picking my brain about my own perspectives on mastery versus competence and these types of things. It just makes me think in ways that I, I might not otherwise, and I feel challenged. And that's why we talk every Monday. So we can <laughs> yes, do this type of stuff. So yeah. I wonder uh, if there's a better way to say no. Like if you, if you just say, if somebody asks you a question and, and you know, like you're, you know, you know, in your mind where your answer is going to be already. You've ever heard that, that, that analogy, when you flip the coin, you know, your you know, your answer. <laughs> you, ever, you ever heard that? Cause when you flip <laughs> no, it, like, ah, I wish it, I totally <laughs> wish it was this one. Right? If you have to flip the coin, it's a no. <laughs> yeah, well, or it could be a yes, but you know exactly <laughs> when you flip it, which one you wanted. Right. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. if, if you just, if you just tailored your no in a different way that made it more meaningful for the people who are asking, like, would you work on my breaks? No, because I don't think that working on your breaks is going to help you get where you need to get, or it's not going to, right. it's not going to be a good use of my time. And then it kind of helps them think about what it is going through your mind instead of, oh, you just know, you just, just nah, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. For me, it's just, it's saying no to stuff that I really want to do. And that, that was kind of what I thought this, where this episode was going to go is just like, how can we prioritize and say no to things we want to do? But uh, that's really difficult. So like, I have awesome people in my life and they'll be like, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you and Jen over for dinner. And it's like, I really feel bad about this, but truly like the next 30 days is scheduled out for us. Yeah. And do we want to schedule out the next six months? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to come over for dinner, but if we said yes to every one of those, yeah. Right. Um, that would create some, you know, kind of different level of stress. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. I didn't see that. <laughs> we went into the no side of no instead of the yes side of no. <laughs> You've never asked me over for dinner, so that's it's a whole other show. So, hey, Peter, you want to come over for dinner? It's a long ways away. <laughs> I was thinking how grateful I am for you. You start biking now. When you I was using my here. using my Vitamix. I was like, oh, <laughs> the listeners out there, Todd sent me a Vitamix, and all I needed was a new blade, and I bought a new blade, and I have I have a Vitamix, and it's changed my life. It's amazing. What's your favorite thing with a Vitamix so far? Uh, just for the people out there, Vitamix is the Cadillac of blenders. It's a really expensive <laughs> blender that I wouldn't spend all the money on to get a new one, but I've always wanted one. Uh, I, I just make a smoothie after my morning workout. I, I drink it while I coach my students and or my athletes. And they're like, yo, Mr. D, what's in that? I was, and it takes me like five minutes to list everything that's in there. It's just <laughs> because a it's like a smoothie. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. I think it's yeah. amazing. It will just yeah, pulverize amazing. anything. Yeah. So yeah. So here's the takeaway for all you listeners out there. If you don't have <laughs> yeah. the money to find a vitam- to buy a Vitamix, Find someone that has an old one that will send you theirs and you can just replace a blade for 29 bucks. But they have to say yes to that. <laughs> I was feeling a little guilty. I was sitting there running the Vitamix like, man, I have Todd's old Vitamix. He paid to ship it to me and now he doesn't have a job. Here I am with a job using his Vitamix. <laughs> no, because it's the best Vitamix ever. That thing's a workhorse. I love Mondays. Yeah. They're fantastic. You know, more often than not, it just boils down to awareness. And I think that a recurring theme is like you have to be aware of what you want to do and then be willing to weigh that with what you're being asked to do and then make a decision. And that, and hopefully that decision falls in line with all those all those other points, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to manage the... Um, the ego part, right? Like I don't want to hurt people's feelings and I don't want to just seem like I'm shutting people down all the time, but I also want to accomplish the things that I've set for myself. And if I give yeah. all of my time and energy to everybody else, then in the end, what am I going to feel like? Yeah. I think but on the flip side, some of the stuff that I invest myself, my time in is ego. Like I'm fit enough to, to be functional, but like I want to be, you know, one of the top 5% in the world. So like that's something I'm choosing to put my time and attention into. And that's 
that's ego in a different way. Yeah, but you know? I mean, sure. I mean, you can peel the onion yeah. any, any way you want, but I think yeah. at the end of the day, the underlying intent there is I just want to be healthy. <laughs> I want to yeah. be able to live longer. It's not that I want to, I have to be the most fit, right? Like, because I mean, at some point you're not going to be able to do that, right? I beat myself to the ground trying to compete yeah. and that has the opposite effect, you know? So yeah. in thinking about our last episode, John C., I think your takeaway at the end of that episode was again, awareness. So it's like this scene that's popping up about awareness. And I think that's really good to be aware of. Yeah. It's all about presence yeah. and awareness for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, awareness, intention, action. Yep. It all starts yeah. with awareness. There it is. Cool. To all the listeners out there, just a kind reminder, schoolingstruggle at gmail.com. Oh yeah. Please send us any feedback, ideas, thoughts, perspectives you might want to share with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights. We so very much appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time. We are incredibly grateful for your attention. On behalf of my friend and co-host, Todd, we are the School and Struggle Podcast. We are out. See you.